John chapter 5, verse 19 to 24. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. This is the word of the Lord. How was your Thanksgiving? Good? Uh, my son woke up this morning and he said, it's snowing, Papa. <laughs> we have a little bit of a gentleman's bet on whether it would snow by uh, Thanksgiving, and I think he lost. <laughs> How have you been? You know, I was uh, giving my testimony with my wife uh, to Peter and Ajahn uh, last week or a week or two ago, and Peter said something interesting. He said, you know, it's not about filling specific roles in the church. He said it's about, I mean, let me take my mask off. Sound muffled, right? Like I'm underwater. That's better. He said it's not about uh, fulfilling specific roles in the church. It's about being a part of a family. And I thought about that, <laughs> being a part of a family. Families spend time together. Isn't that true? They eat together. So I wonder if we can spend a little bit of time <clears throat> together this morning just to be in one another's presence and uh, enjoy one another. Tell me, I always think of you, brother. You always do such hard work around here, setting everything up. We love you. It's good to see you back home from uh, college, Noah. I remember the first year I was in college, I put on like 30 pounds, if you can believe that. <laughs> Stay away from that cafeteria food, brother. <laughs> Paolo, we love you. Thank you for the playing. And John and Orly and the musicians. And all of you who are here this morning, it's great to be here. We always have a tiny Thanksgiving. I thought about this uh, uh, a couple of years ago. William was telling me that they had a hot pot. I asked him if they had turkey in the hot pot. He said, uh, well, maybe they had chicken in the, the meatballs, but didn't think they had turkey in the hot pot. We always have a very small Thanksgiving, a little bit of a, a bird, uh, some stuffing, mashed potatoes. But in the midst of it, in our tiny little apartment, we have a heart full of thanksgiving. You know, it's possible to be that way, to have just a little bit, but to be really thankful to God. If you don't believe that, go to a, another country where people have very little, but they're very thankful to God. <clears throat> this morning, I want us to think for just a moment about a promise in God's word. I would say that this is one of the most important promises in the Word of God. And we're going to pick it apart 
Sometimes my wife asks me when I talk about American cooking or Bahamian cooking, how do you make it? And she sort of picks apart the food, the macaroni and cheese and the other things, trying to figure out what's the secret behind how I make this food being from Japan. She doesn't understand it. So this morning what we're going to do with your leave is we're going to pick apart a promise in God's word. Is that all right? And we're going to try to find some encouragement so that here's the promise I can make you. By the time you leave here this afternoon, you'll have understood this promise. Now, I may look kind of silly with my illustrations, but you will have understood the promise. So let's think about it. We're going to do it in two sections. The first is, what's the context for the scripture that Sonny so read so well? What's the context for the scripture in John chapter 5? And then we're going to pick apart the promise. I, I brought my Greek New Testament. I promise you're not going to go through Greek, but I, uh, we're going to look at a few cognates in the English language, and it's going to be helpful for us to understand this promise. So Jesus, in John chapter 5, goes up to Jerusalem for the feast, and there he goes to the pool by Bethesda. And he meets a man who was uh, disabled for about 38 years. And something strange used to happen in this pool. An angel used to come down, and he would stir up the waters. And then the first person who was able to step into the pool would get a healing. That sounds sort of strange to us today, right? We, have, we know hospitals named Bethesda, but a pool where people step in? So Jesus comes to the man, and the man is lying on a mat, and he asks the man if he wants to be healed. The man says, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool, and Jesus heals him. But then the man does something which angers the religious authorities. He picks up his mat, according to Jesus' instructions, and he walks. Well, the religious authorities find him and say, hey, what are you doing? Walking with a little pallet, if you can think about it, a yoga mat if you think about that, walking with that little mat on the Sabbath. And then he says to them, this man, Jesus, told me to take up my mat and walk. Well, that angers them. They come to Jesus, and they have a little verbal tete-a-tete, and Jesus reveals to them that he is the Son of God. And for that, they're enraged with him. He claims to be God. Now, here's what you're thinking, right? If you've been a Christian for a while, you're thinking to yourself, if I was there, I would have been on Jesus' side, ride or die, right? Ready to, to you know, get into with the people who are angry at Jesus. But I want to show you this morning that all of us are something like the religious authorities. So I bought a pumpkin. <laughs> this pumpkin. Did I tell you you may think I'm silly after we're finished? But you'll understand the promise. <laughs> this pumpkin... It has a little bit of bruising on it. <clears throat> this pumpkin has been sitting on our windowsill since before Halloween. They were giving out some free pumpkins, and I said, hey, a free pumpkin, maybe it'll make a nice ad adornment in our house, so I took it. Now, I want you to imagine something. This is an absurd illustration, but it will illustrate to you what's going on. Imagine you're walking down the street one day, you're going to the train, and a man comes to you, and he's holding a pumpkin, something like this pumpkin, and he says, Psst, hey, I want to tell you about a new religion. Here's my religion. You see this pumpkin here? This pumpkin is God. 
Now, some of us who study anthropology, we might say to ourselves, well, you know, I might continue to listen to him. I like strange and new ideas, right? But most of us would say, well, I was with you until you said the pumpkin was God. I think I'm going to be going now. But I want you to catch something. Jesus, we're told, is God, the Son of God. And that's what enraged the religious authorities, that he made this claim to being God. The eternal God, who's a spirit, no man can look on him and live. Jesus says, I am God. Wait a moment, Jesus. We know you. We know the pumpkin patch you came out of. Mary, your mother, went around telling people that God was her baby daddy. We know you. We know your brothers and your sisters. They were there. We went to school with them. You're God. And then when you started working, you weren't a white-collar elite. You were a man who was working with his hands. You got your hands dirty. You got sweaty at the end of the day. You're God. And then they used the N-word about Jesus. Don't get scared. They said to him, Jesus from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And then, when he began his ministry, who did he hang out with? Elites, like you and me, went to college, have a good education? No. He hung out with MTA workers, construction workers, people who worked with their hands and got sweaty, people you don't want to sit next to on the train after they've been working, fishermen. Jesus is exactly like this pumpkin here, a little bit scarred, a little bit bruised, and the claim about him is that despite his appearance, he is God, God the Son. Do you understand it now? Do you see it? You may think I'm crazy, but that's all right. So we get to verse 24, and that's the verse we're going to pick apart today. And Jesus makes this claim about himself. And if you listen to it, it's amazing. Verily, verily, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes on him who sent me has eternal life. And the King James says, shall not. I like those shall nots, those old legal words, right? Shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. So let's start picking it apart. The first words we come to are, truly, truly, I say to you, let me make sure I'm in the right place now, John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you. Now, what are these words, truly, truly? There's a word that if you go to some churches on Sunday morning, people will use it. Amen. Amen. We don't say that as much here. Do you know that? But we're going to say it this morning. You may think I'm crazy, but we're going to try to say it together. Is that all right? Amen? Amen. There you go. This word, amen, we understand exactly what it means if we use it in context. So let me explain to you. If I said to you something this morning, can you say the double amen? Amen, amen, after I say it. In the words of the psalmist, God is 
Good. Amen and amen. Jesus is God's beloved son. Amen and amen. Come on now, don't let me down. <laughs> and here's another one. The Spirit of God is holy. Amen and amen. Now you understand it, don't you? Amen is used before or after someone says something which is true, incontrovertible. Amen and amen. And that's what Jesus says. Amen, amen, I say. You say Jesus? Jesus, who is something like the pumpkin hidden, you say, I say. In Greek, it's Lego. Boy, I was looking all this week for a word that was something like Lego. I thought I was going to bring some Lego and put them together and it'd be a perfect illustration, but unfortunately, there's nothing in the English language which is similar to it. But how can Jesus say, I say? I'm the one who says what's going to happen. Well, if you go up earlier in the text, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. That's verse 21. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Do you know there is a day of judgment coming. Do you believe that? It doesn't matter if you came here this morning and if you're kind of disinterested in what the preacher is going to say. Our solemn duty is to warn you about the day of judgment. Every one of you are going to stand before Jesus and give an account for your life. Oh, you may think it's a joke. You may think it's far away. Maybe I'll be able to amend my life before then. But today, we have to say to you, there is a day of judgment coming. And it's possible to leave this place knowing your status, knowing the judge, so that you don't have to be worried. Truly, truly, I say, to you. To who? To you. To you. To you. To you. How is it possible for words which were written thousands of years ago to speak to you? Because that's what Jesus is saying. Not just to the people who were there in the first century, but to everyone who has gathered here this morning individually to you. One of the great joys of my life, it's been restorative to me, has been watching children's TV. I thank my wife for allowing me to watch a lot of TV with my son more than we would. But we started off on, uh, what do you call those, Teletubbies. Anybody remember those Teletubbies? They bounce around. and they're a little crazy. You'll know these soon, Hannah. <laughs> we started off on Teletubbies, and then we moved to Paw Patrol, and I think now we're on YouTube videos, and I, I don't really watch those. But, <laughs> but I can remember we came across a clip by Mr. Rogers. Anyone ever watched Mr. Rogers? I'm going to give you a challenge. Go and watch this clip 
of Mr. Rogers with a little boy who's in a wheelchair. His name is Jeff Erlinger, I think. He had a spinal tumor, it got removed, and he was stuck in a wheelchair. And Mr. Rogers, in his inimitable way, gets right down to the level of Jeff. And he sings that song that he always used to sing. It's you I like. It's you I like. He had just as bad a voice as I, but he can make it work. It's, it's you I like. It's you I like. Your hair, your skin, your eyes. Not your toys, he said. Your feelings deep down inside. It's you I like. And there were millions of people who heard Mr. Rogers sing to a boy in a chair, and he was speaking right to them. Do you know God likes you? He likes you just the way you are. Oh, I know you're a sinner. He doesn't like that. But he likes you. He cares about you. He's concerned about you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And Mr. Rogers, who was a Christian, was able to do this, to speak to one person in front of a TV camera and to have everyone else understand he was speaking directly to them. Jesus is speaking to you. Truly, truly, I say to you. Whoever, the one in Greek, the one or whoever, Are you the one? Does the whoever apply to you? Here's what I know. Some of you, during the holidays, have been up to stuff you wouldn't normally be up to. The holidays are a depressing time. Whatever comforts us when we're low, sometimes we're tempted to do that. Whoever! Where have you been this week? What have you said? Whoever. Has God let you down? Are you angry at him? Whoever. It doesn't matter who you are. Whoever applies to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word. Now, there's a cognate here in the English language, akuo, acoustics. The acoustics in this room are actually quite good. Whoever hears my word. But is it just letting the words fall upon your ears? No. It's hearing and holding on to Jesus' word. That's what hearing is in the Bible. A woman comes to Jesus one day when he's teaching, and she says to him, Blessed is the womb that gave you birth, and the breasts at which you nursed. That sounds pretty good, right? I think if my mom was listening this morning, she'd be like, yeah, that sounds pretty good, (laughs) these children. (laughs) But Jesus doesn't let it stand at that. He said, no, more blessed are they who hear the word of God and do it. You know, there's something interesting about us Protestants and Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Methodists, whatever. We come together and we sit and we listen to someone preach. Why do we do that, Scott? Do you know why we do it? At great expense and lots of work, Tommy. Because hearing the word of God leads to salvation. Do you believe that? 
even if it's not preached or served the way we want it, if you can just listen to God's word, that's where salvation comes. Whoever hears my word and believes. Now, this is an important word. Believes him who sent me. Do you believe God? Belief, faith, traditionally has three elements. The first is knowledge. You just have to know something. But the second two are a little more difficult. Persuasion, you have to be persuaded that what you heard is true. And trust, you have to trust in the one who spoke it. Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, God. Do you believe that? Despite his appearance, do you believe that God sent Jesus into the world for your salvation? Believes him who sent me. 1 Peter chapter 21, we've been going through 1 Peter. Peter says, so that your faith and hope may rest in God. 1 Peter 1, 21. Here's the amazing thing about Christianity. Jesus didn't come to just have you believe in him. He wants you to believe also in God believes the one who sent me. Is your faith in God, despite the way he appears, despite the frustrations you seem to think come from God, do you believe in him? There's an exercise that people do in corporate settings, and maybe you've done it and you hate it even speaking about it. It's called a trust fall. I thought about using that, but I think that'll be a bit silly if I did that this morning, Scott, so I'll abstain from that so nobody's injured. But the trust fall, you know what that is? <clears throat> you stand like this, and your team is behind you. And interestingly enough, go on YouTube, you'll see some times the trust fall failed. <laughs> you stand like this, and the team says to you, we're ready, go ahead and fall back. And so you fall back. And then they catch you. God, can you fall on him? Can you rest on him? Do you know that he's got your back? Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. There's a handball court in Central Park. We go there sometimes on Saturday morning. If you've fallen asleep now, Ken, wake up. This is about you. <laughs> we go to the handball court, and sometimes we play, and then we leave, and I play a joke on Ken. I say to him, did you bring the ball? And he says, no, Papa, you brought the ball. No, 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 no. Did you leave the ball on the handball court? No, Papa, you brought the ball. And then I reach into my pocket, and I say, here's the ball. And you know what he says? You have it. You have it, Papa. Here's the amazing thing about Christianity. You can know 
that you know, that you know that you have eternal life. Present, active, indicative. You have it. On the basis of Jesus' double amen, if you are trusting in the God who sent Jesus, you can have this morning eternal life. Well, what is eternal life? The life part is pretty easy to understand. It's the word zoe, zoe in Greek. I used to know a zoe. That's a beautiful name. There was a Chloe here the other day, but I don't know if there's a zoe here, but that's a beautiful name. Zoe, life, literally means spiritual life. You can know that you have life, and it can be, it is, eternal now, I'm going to speak directly to an error that is popular in our culture. Have you ever heard, had someone say to you, well, I'm going to try to get as much as I can while I'm alive, because when you die, there's nothing. You ever heard this? A lot of people believe that. Get as much as you can now, because when you die, that's it. There's nothing else. I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. Every human being who ever comes into existence will live forever. Do you believe that? Everyone here this morning will live forever. No one ever passes out of existence. Our confession says something which is interesting. God, when he created humans, gave them a reasonable and immortal soul. Where do they get that from? Jesus in Matthew 25 speaks about the sheep and the goats, and he uses this word eternal to describe both groups. The goats go away to eternal punishment. The sheep go away to eternal life. You are an eternal being. Not like God. You're not the source of eternal life. You haven't always lived, but you will live forever. And you can know that right now you have that Zoe life. Hello, Mr. Cooper, good to see you. You know, ponytail swinging, bright and bubbly. Hello, that's the Zoe I remember. That's Zoe, the life, eternal life. Jesus goes on, and will never come into judgment. You can also know that you won't be judged. You won't be condemned because Jesus has taken the condemnation that we deserve upon the cross. He's already been condemned. You don't have to be condemned. Shall not, will not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. The Greeks personified death. For them it was Thanatos. There's a cognate and you always love a cognate that comes from a, a superhero movie, right? The Marvel movies. Do you know who death is? <clears throat> the Thanatos that's spoken of here? Thanos. Anybody know him? He's a big bruiser. No? no nobody watches? <laughs> Just me, Tommy? <laughs> Thanatos, he's always angry. His fists are like this. He's ready to pound someone. And he's always 
chasing after some jewels. What do they call those? I forget. But they personified death, and they made him a character. We do it in our culture as well, the Grim Reaper. No one heard of the Grim Reaper? Yeah, we heard of the Grim Reaper. In the Bible, rather than being personified, the Bible speaks about someone having the power of death. In Hebrews chapter 2, it speaks about Satan who has the power of death and held us in bondage all of our lives. But here Jesus says, you can know that you've passed from the power of death into life. Literally, out of death and into life. You've passed over. There's no going back. You have eternal life. Do you believe it? Amen. Oh, that's a little murmur. <laughs> Do you believe it? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, believes him who sent me, has eternal life and will not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now, there's one final question. How do you get it? If you're here and you don't know, how do you actually receive it? Is it something I can do? Some churches, they'll say to you, now everyone who heard this message and wants to have eternal life, walk down the aisle and stand right here. Does that really work? Maybe not. I don't think so. It may be good, but maybe not. Other places, they'll have you say a prayer. <clears throat> Just say this prayer. You invite Jesus into your heart. Well, if you've been a Christian for long enough, you, you know that sometimes that really doesn't work as well. It may be a good step, but it doesn't really work. So how do you get it? How do you come to rest upon this promise? Here's my final illustration. We had a smaller bag, but my wife thought this bigger bag was better, so thank her for it. It's a gift. Do you believe that? It's a gift. In Ephesians 2, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. How do you receive a gift? Someone in our house wants one of these things, maybe you know about it, Noah, called an Oculus Quest 2. Anybody heard of these things? He wants to be in his room with a virtual reality headset on his head. <laughs> we can't see what's going on in virtual reality, but he's just there playing. He's got some headphones on his head and some things he's swinging with his arms, and he's begun his campaign to get this Oculus Quest 2. And that's good. Maybe he'll get it. But do you know the only way he'll get an Oculus Quest 2? A gift. You simply have to reach out and receive it as a gift. That's the way you get it. It's so wonderful. That's why we're here from Sunday to Sunday. 
That's why we're always talking about the Word of God, sharing it with people. It's just a gift. Isn't that amazing that our God would give us eternal life just as a gift? Just open your hands, open your heart, and receive it. And you've passed from death to life. Do you believe it? One last time. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, will not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. One last time. Amen and amen.